Wake the fuck up, Samurai. We've got a podcast to record. More specifically, the How Long to Beat podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. As usual, it's me, Rick, along with Alex and Paula. And this week, as every week, we're going to tell you what we've beaten, what we've retired, what we're playing. Uh, we're going to take a topic on. This week, it's emulation. Uh, we're going to take a question from our lovely listeners and forum compatriots. And we're going to play the hit sensation game show game. Say it with me. How long, How long to, beat? to beat the game? The game. Oh, all right. There we go. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. It's fine. Uh, Alex, why don't you kick us off? Tell you what you beat. What you beaten this week? Sure, sure. I'm gonna give a. Oh, I didn't beat anything. So, <laughs> um, yeah, wow. I, I planned that one well. But I'll, the reason why, uh, which is probably pretty obvious, is that you know I have a doggy, which I'm gonna give a caveat right now. She's kind of sleeping, but you might hear barks throughout this episode, and I apologize. <laughs> um, but that's why I haven't beaten anything. I've been playing things, but I have not really had time to sit and like beat anything. So why don't why don't you go ahead, Paula? Oh, um, this week I actually uh, I actually finished a bunch of games. Um, in part because two of them are really short. The first two are. Uh, the librarian that is like a little puzzle game um, very much you are a li librarian you are woken up in the middle of the night and you have to go to the library to see what's wrong it is a very very short game about half an hour to beat and it is quite charming um, also a street cut sale uh, that is one of the games I bought on Black Friday that is a game where you play as a little kitten. Uh, you live in the streets of some place in Korea. And you need to survive, I think it was like 14 days until adulthood. It is, it kind of surprised me because it has like a bunch of endings. And pretty much uh, to survive, it is advised that you like get to know uh, the other cats or the people uh, around the neighborhood because it is easier to survive when someone provides food, for example. It is also really short to get the first ending. You need like less than an hour, I think. Though it gets a little bit grindy uh, if you try to get multiple endings because uh, there's, well, it, it isn't like a visual novel. You, you walk around, search for food, uh, carry stuff around, uh, and interact with people. Uh, so, it is a lot more stuff to do to get uh, to get the multiple endings than a visual novel, for example. Uh, I also finished uh, Mario Super Picross or Mario no Super Picross. Well, it is Picross. I I I can't really say anything else that hasn't already been said. Uh, I actually finished. Uh, this one yesterday because I was playing Cafe Enchante and I was like, okay, I need a rest from the plot. This is too much for me. It is too early for this shit. Went in the Picross rampage and reached the credits of uh, Mario Super Picross. Um, finally, the today I finished uh, Cafe Enchante and oh my god, it was a trip because like, well, it is an Otome game, visual novel. It doesn't have any crazy mechanics, though it has a very crazy story <laughs> and a very crazy setting. Uh, because you play as uh, Awaki Kotone that has inherited the 
uh, a cafe in Chantea, pretty much like cafe store, uh, from her grandfather. And she realizes that the, um, the regulars at the place aren't like your usual people there. Because you have canons from uh, the fairy world medio, Ignis from the beast world bestia, Il, Iru, which is an angel from the heavenly world Kaam, Misir, the demon king from the demon world Asmodia, and an agent from the government that is pretty much looking, watching over the place called Kaorurindo. Uh, by the way, what I've just said is like nothing spoiler. It's actually like in the back of the box if you want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite of a spoiler. Yeah, it's it's pretty much like, like okay, you have your regulars here. Have fun. In the same vein that God realize is heavily influenced by um, literature, like from the classics, uh, Café Chante has a lot of influence, like from uh, myth and legends and folklore and stuff, and to create the world where, sorry, the many worlds where all these characters reside. Uh, it also differs from a lot of the other fiction levels I was playing, that it has like one big common route, about eight chapters. Eight? Yeah, eight. And each separate route has from four to six chapters. So a lot of the... Um, you get like a huge chunk of world building, getting to know all the characters, where they come from, stuff like that. And then you're thrown into the plot head first, and everything gets weirder and weirder the further you go along. And it everything is everything that seems so um I want to say like uh, thrown together in a weird way is actually like very cohesive once you get to the middle of the story. And of course, everything you see uh, comes together like in the final uh, in the final route. Uh, which, by the way, oh my god, it was mind blowing in a mm. in a sense. And for any fan of journals and like stuff like fantasy or myth and legends, and even like just general like for anyone for anyone who likes to figure out stuff as they go. Uh, the game does a fantasy job to put you breadcrumbs that is like um, and little hints and it also has uh, a lot of easter eggs to other stuff and I actually um, learned this the other day where, when I was playing that uh, the writer for this game is actually the same person that wrote the story for Code Realized so if you enjoyed the that kind of writing, you will love this. Um, yeah, that's that's what I did this week. Rick, what about you? Wow. Before, oh, I tell you, before I tell you what I've played, just to give the, the readers a little bit of inside baseball, I knew this was going to be a good review uh, because Paula was sending us uh, GIFs and messages about the game at 4 a.m. her time. So <laughs> I, I sort of knew for a fact that it was a good playthrough. Yeah, the only <laughs> thing I can offer uh, this is as a French speaker, Café Enchanté is the way you would say that. And that's all I can offer. 
<laughs> that's the one thing you can chip in with. That's that's literally it. I, that's all I can offer. <laughs> no. But it sounds like a cool speaking game. Of the number, speaking of the number four segue, I think my completions this week literally were a total of four hours cumulatively across the three of them. Um, you, you'll see one when we get to what I'm playing because I've got a few longer boys on the go. Um, but I beat a few short games this week. So the first one... Um, is a game jam game called Zermatt Zero. And to set the scene, imagine if Alien Isolation was a text adventure game from like the 90s. Hmm. And that's basically it. So you are a group of astronauts trapped on a ship with an alien creature that's actively hostile. And it's all conducted through menus and, and dialogue, but you have to move up and down the spaceship, avoiding the alien while fashioning your own escape from the from the spaceship uh, it's really cleverly done it's impressive even more so because it was a game jam game so it was all thrown together in two or three days it's all playable in the browser so it's the first time in got a couple of years now i think actually that i've played a browser game so that was a bit of a throwback but it's well worth a look it's a fun little jaunt and if you like text adventure and you liked alien isolation it's an interesting play on those kinds of concepts the second game is Daddish. You're a dad who's Daddish. Daddish. <laughs> and it's just a platformer. It, that was nice. The humor is top tier, in case it wasn't clear from the name. So at the end of every level, because you're finding Radish children, as you would if you were a Daddish. <laughs> and uh, at the end of every level, you find one of them, and they have a little back and forth banter. And I'd say I laughed out loud about a quarter of them, which is a pretty good hit rate. For, for written comedy because most things can get a chore like a little sort of internal huh that was quite funny sort mm. of thing out of you it's something else to get you to actually laugh out loud and the platform is pretty good as well and if anyone's interested in playing that one it's free on mobile ad supported and you can pay to remove the ads if you really want to or it's available on switch for like ten dollars which to be fair i think is is too much because uh, okay. so I, I beat the game in just over an hour. I think I think if it were a fiver, that would be about right. So if you can find it on sale, maybe it's worth getting that way. But it controls well enough on mobile. I, I don't see any reason why why you wouldn't want to at least start it on there. Um, and then the last one is a game called Kamiko, if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like a, a, a top-down... I hesitate to call it an action RPG because it's like an hour to do a full playthrough. Um, and this is this is my second. So we, there's three characters to play as each controls slightly differently. And I don't know if there's something special at the end for clearing all the runs, but your save file shows which ones you've beaten it with. So um, there's like a focus melee only fighter. There's a halfway house fighter who's got a bit of range, but also a very short melee attack. And then there's an archer. Uh, and the archer is the only one I've got left to play now. Um, it's good. I, I paid like £2 for it. And at that price, I think it's really good. I, I don't know what it goes for full price. I don't know if it'd be worth a lot more than that. But Yeah, I'm not sure. It's fun little... I, I know I beat that game myself too. It's like, it's actually quite a good, like that would see that game was one of the games when the switch first came out, um, that came out pretty quickly afterwards when there was like uh there weren't many games around at the time, which actually was kind of, in my opinion, my favorite time on the switch. Cause you just got to play a bunch of like random stuff. Um, but like nowadays it's just like, it's a goddamn mess in there. Um, it's just, there's just way too much, 
but yeah, I remember playing Kamiko and it's pretty good. It's hard to justify with so many games that are so similar to it and so much better. But if you get it on sale, I think it is a good time, like you're saying. And that's the yeah, only reason that I got into it. I, I don't know that I would have, would have paid a lot for it, but mm. it's nice as a palate cleanser thing. Yeah, it's a good palate cleanser game. It, it's a nice sort of hour playthrough. And, and I'd sort of kept it back rather than, I think if I'd tried to play all three of those paths back to back to back, I would have sort of been done with it. And I, I would have been kind of soured on it. Mm. But knowing that the second and third one would be an hour each, it's been nice to um, have as a thing to come back to. So a little bit of insider baseball in terms of how I organize my backlog. I have a, a separate tab called TBC or To Be Continued. So anything mm. um, where I've played it, whether it's I've completed the story and there's more post-game or, or I've gotten part way and I want to come back to it and carry on with it, I'll leave it in there rather than completing it or retiring it. Um, and that will that will become relevant again when we get to talking about Bravely Default foreshadow. I know. I know. Yeah, that, now that, that's when we get to talk about what we've got. I was going to say, you're actually, you're kind of like segueing pretty nicely into the things that I've retired. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, that's plain, but before then, why don't we start with what you've retired? Yeah, because honestly, that's kind of the case with the games that I retired this week. Like, I didn't really, they're not really like retired because I'm like, oh, these games are bad and, and I don't like them. It's just like, um, I just kind of have other things on the go now. So like Lonely Mountain Downhill, that one I talked about before, I just sort of retired it with, I, I do have the intention of going back to it eventually when I need like a relaxing game to kind of go into. But right now I have so many other games on the go that it's like, I just have no need to go into it. And <laughs> Mirror's Edge Catalyst, honestly, this, I didn't even really intend to retire it, but I straight up, I had left it for a couple days. And the, the, the problem is that when I started it, I had just really gotten to the tutorial in the first couple missions. So you know when it's like you're still in that stage of where like the controls haven't become ingrained in you yet and you don't really have them like yeah. muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And then we got the puppy. So like I spent probably a solid like almost a week of just not touching games. Um, and then I went back to try to play Mirror's Edge Catalyst and I straight up forgot all of the controls and was like, I don't oh, even know how to jump. And I was, I, and there was no like easy way to figure, to like check what the controls were. So I was just like, okay, uh, I think I'm done. I'll just come back to this someday. <laughs> you know, like, I'll probably, <laughs> it's not that long a game. You can pick it straight back up at like, some point. Exactly. Like, I'll probably just pick it up from the beginning, like, someday down the road when I, when I want to play some more. So, anyway, those are the two that I retired. Uh, okay. Paul has not retired anything. So oh, I'll jump straight um, back in. Unless. Sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, technically not retired, but I did a little bit of cleansing on my backlog and just uh, went through all the libraries and all the software and all the stuff I have and reorganized everything. So, uh, well, the only game I think you could say I've retired and I probably never go back to it again is Monster Hunter World. Hmm. Because okay. it just didn't do anything for me. Like, yeah. in the sense that uh, it didn't grab my attention enough. And uh, with my boyfriend, we actually tried to play the multiplayer of the game. Uh, but it wasn't... Like, it was fun, but not fun enough. Mm. Um, Is it not fun enough to justify all the bullshit that goes with a Monster Hunter game? Or? It's 
I mean, it's probably it probably has to do with the fact that I don't usually play anything multiplayer cop. Okay. Uh, but he also said that there was like something about this game that he, like, he wasn't playing it either because, like, uh, I think he's tried or seen uh, an, like the other uh, Monster Hunter games, mm -hmm. and those, those games he would so give a specific. chance, but yeah. yeah, but this one in particular just uh, it wasn't. It wasn't grabbing as enough to just continue playing. Oh, and uh, and less of a retirement, and just uh, like back to back to the backlog file. I'll pick it up again later. Uh, games like Valkyrie Chronicles uh, remastered and Xenoblade Chronicles Two. I realized that I have forgotten how to play. Ha. Yeah. They're uh, big though. She's got an excuse, Alex. They're big games. Valkyria not Chronicles many dead is not that bad. <laughs> Bullshit. It's a big I, game. It's not that big. It's a big game. No, she just. If only there were a website. A visual if only there were a website we could go to to find out how yeah. big it actually is. She, uh, Paula, like, uh, you uh, play some Chronicles, crazy ones. Actually, yeah, I mean, Silver Chronicles was up uh, two. Sorry, uh, the second one was like. I was having a lot of fun. I was like min maxing everything. I was like learning all the combos and I was like farming crystals and stuff. I was in Gata Hill uh, and Gata Hell at some point. Yeah, but Clear Chronicles, the first one's 30 hours. It's like a long no, game. No, but it's a big no, game. I was that, talking about the second like, one. I put 50 that, hours in that game. Yeah, I'm not yeah, even halfway yeah. through. <laughs> the second um, one is much longer. I literally. Yeah, I I've never the played the second one because yeah. I thought the second one, the second one, isn't the second one significantly different from the first one? I, I'm like a um, Chronicles I purist. I like just a straight turn-based. Only map-wise. So they, they made a couple of tweaks in terms of the classes. So I think they made mm. um, techs actually viable. Mm, um, okay. And you can spec them out into a slightly broken class called the Fencer, mm. which is like the best thing ever. But yeah. the, the main difference is just to fit it on the PSP, they split the map structure. So... Right. You have like a maximum of six characters on the field, um, and a maximum of five in any one zone. But they they moved the the gameplay around that a little bit in terms of how the objectives worked and all the rest. Of it. It's a fantastic game. Oh yeah. Uh, but it is it is a bit padded out as well. Is, to be is clear, I, I don't say. actually care what you retire, Paula. Like, <laughs> do what you want. <laughs> but I will say, Valkyria Chronicles is a solid game. Um, it is. Mm. It, it really is. It, it just. I just lost track of the story, and since yeah. it has like that third person uh, perspective, when you are like running around the battlefield and actually pointing on things uh, to to make your attacks and stuff, mm -hmm. I have to make the decision to okay, this is a game I have to play like from the uh, from beginning to end, like mm -hmm. um, without much of a of a rest between each session because otherwise I just get really bad at pointing or like at doing like accuracy stuff. Fair. What what I'm hearing is you're not a elite gamer like the rest of us. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Okay, so in anything you need to to do uh with less of us being an exception, I usually have like very very bad 
uh, aiming skills mm-hmm. because like I pretty much grew up either playing uh, well I, I grew up playing Zelda pretty much but I also grew up playing like turn-based kind of stuff mm-hmm. like completely completely turn-based or puzzle games or visual novels or stuff like that so for me like um uh, um the games where you actually have to aim and that is like a big part of the game i still kind of suck at it i not as much as before because i remember playing one of the biotech games and i literally had like a character in front of me less than one meter away and i couldn't shoot it i missed repeatedly oh no Oh, I've grown a lot <laughs> as a gamer since then. That was five years ago. But uh, I wouldn't call myself skilled on games like that. It does take time. Like, it genuinely, like, first-person shooters and stuff, it's a skill that really re- takes, like, time to develop, you know? Like, even we from often take it for to granted. Shooter. Yeah, yeah. It, like, that's absolutely a thing. Um, but, yeah, so in terms of the ones I've retired... Um, it's two more of the ones I bought in the autumn sale, funnily enough. Uh, with Steam's very nice 14-day returns, what I did is spent sort of 15 minutes playing each of the ones I bought just to make sure that I was happy with it. Mm. Um, and there were two that I weren't, wasn't, rather. So I've I've returned those. The first one uh, is a game called Hive Jump, which is a 2D action platformer shooty thing. But it's very, very dull, and it's quite clear that it's been specced out for multiplayer. And I didn't really fancy sticking around long enough to see if it got better for a single player. Mm-hmm. The, for that for that genre of game, I've got loads of other things that I'd rather be putting the time into um, than a hope and a prayer on that. And then the other one uh, was a game called Hylix, which is a... I hesitate to call it Earthbound style, but if you imagine that kind of RPG, if it had been made on an original PlayStation and controlled like hot garbage, you'd be about there. Um, and it, it, apart from the problem of getting the thing to run, because it was developed for Windows 7, and there's, there's notes in the readme that make it very clear that the dev has no intention of, of making it more user-friendly for anything past Windows 7. Mm. Even once you get over that and get the game working, which was a bit of an uphill battle, the game itself is kind of dead. All all the conversations are procedurally generated. It's supposed to evoke a sort of lol random vibe, I think. And there, there probably is something engaging and fun to be found within that. But it wasn't really clicking with me. The combat didn't really make any sense. The map was horrific, so you can't really find out what you're doing. You can't really fight anything once you do. So, I, I whether it caught me on the wrong day, I just didn't have the patience for it. So I, I chalked it up, and that one, that one went as well. Well, yeah, it's in the same bundle. I bought South Park: The Stick of Truth. So if if I'm going to put time towards an RPG, that's the one it's going to be. Oh, that's so, a good game. Yeah, it, I, I like the 20 minutes that I played. It's <laughs> I like the sense of humour more than anything else. It could be a mediocre game, but the sense of humour would carry it through. The nice thing is it's like, both right, a good game and funny. <laughs> like right at the beginning where it's like the, the dad's like, fuck off, get outside, and then you go back into the house. And then the, the door's <laughs> locked and they're clearly boning. Love it. 
Shall we move along to what we're playing? Uh, yes. Yes. Let's. Shall I carry on? Because we, in fact, I'll tell you what I'll start with. Because you and me have both played a little bit of it, Alex. Yeah. Cyberpunk 2077, mm-hmm. the game of the moment. Uh, now you're playing on what the fuck's the new Xbox called? So really, I got it wrong last time. It's not that hard. It's the Series X. <laughs> <laughs> right. The series yeah. is the key word. What okay. I'll say here so is you're uh, playing on. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, it's buttery fucking smooth on the Series X. Like I'm at 60 frames per second. Um, cause they have a performance mode and then they have a quality mode. Quality mode's 30 frames per oh, second, yeah. but I'm playing on a 1080p, uh, TV still. So I was like, I don't give a shit about the quality. I just want the, the great frames per second. So, um, and there's hardly a difference really quality wise between the performance and the, um, other mode. And so like, it's great. It's, it's oh, a buggy game. Ray trace reflections. Yeah. The, you <laughs> see them a little, like there's like lighting stuff, but you gotta be friggin' sharp to notice it. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I started with the Street Kid path. I think I'm going to, like we were talking about this, I think I'm going to restart and do the Nomad path. I don't know. I just kind of like, I like the idea of Nomad. I grew up in a small town, had to go to the big city later. I'm like, I like that idea. I want to try that 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 version. I didn't grow up on them streets. I want to role play someone kind of like me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so far, so far, so good. That's what I'll say. So far, so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um other than other than performance, which... I was I was saying on the Discord just before we started recording, and a little bit of background. I'm playing on a base PS4, um, a slim model, not the the OG jet engine ones, but oh, but nice. it is still like one of the lowest powered things you could play this game on. Mm. Um, and and I started when I finished work at five. We're recording this at eight, and my save slot says two hours and fifty six minutes. So it has been <laughs> sort of nonstop um, all the time I've had available to play it. First off, I've been super impressed with how smoothly it ran. Um, I have had a single crash and it sounds like it's a, a general issue with that platform because my friend who pre-ordered it as well um, had a crash at exactly the same spot, which is it's a little bit further where, than where you are, I think, Alex. It's yeah. right at the start of chapter one. There's a, a pre-scripted bit where you get into a car oh, and, okay. and that sort of getting into the vehicle, the game just nopes out. But yep. that that is literally the only performance problem I've had. Hmm. Other than that, it's... I haven't got a, a frame counter or anything like that, but I've not noticed any frame dips. Hmm. Um, the visual fidelity isn't quite what it has been in PC trailers, but then I expected that. I knew that going in, and it still looks really pretty. Uh, the the world is surprisingly populated. It's oh, not yeah. like to get it to run, they've got like one NPC per block. It is busy and bustling and and, and active. I think the biggest takeaway, though, is that it's more an evolution than a revolution. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if it's, this is like an over-marketing thing. I don't know if it's a No Man's Sky where everyone thinks it's going to be their dream game simultaneously at the same fucking time. <laughs> but it, it, it's a culmination of everything that RPGs have done up to now. It isn't a paradigm shift in terms of uh, reactivity or vastly new mechanics. Or, or anything like that. It's just a really brilliant RPG in That's, a world that we don't see a lot of content in, especially yeah. since Deus Ex got the. Well, I was just about to say it's like a really good Deus Ex. Like the the two Deus Ex games were good. They were good games. They weren't like I wouldn't call them like amazing games. I would say like they were very you, good. You mean the games. two Montreal recent ones? Yes, the, the two recent ones. Two recent ones. I haven't right, played right, the right, older okay. ones, so I, I can't comment on those. Um, and when it's I just played when you, it, when you said the two, I was like, one crowd is not going to like that. Ah, well, they can suck <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> 
I'm like, whatever. Uh, It's so old. I mean, if you're trying to compare Cyberpunk to the original Deus Ex games, like, all right, hold up. (laughs) Um, Obviously, they're inspired by that, but like, hold up. Um, So, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's almost a full circle thing because Deus Ex was sort of based on Cyberpunk in terms of novel and everything else. And then this is sort of it. Sorry, go on up. No, no, I was just saying, like, I mean, it's exactly what I expected. Right. It's kind of that prey feeling that I liked. Like, it, it, like when I walked into it, I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. Um, I, I And I think, you know, it's interesting because I think if you actually like watch, watched a lot of their like stuff and, and I stopped watching at a certain point because I was like, all right, I'm good. I see what it's about. I think they were actually pretty clear on like what this game is. But I also think, like you said, there was so much discussion about like what could it possibly be like. Um that I think, yeah, there's probably some people who'd be like, what? Why isn't it like this? Like, everyone's going like, the, the character creator is like, gonna be so crazy. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's not that crazy. Like, it's customizable, I guess, but it's not like that wildly customizable, you know? <laughs> it's, I, no. you know? I mean, I was watching last night my briefing, but um, in terms of character creation, I actually found there was a lot to it. Yeah, no, but um, you understand there's a difference. There, There is a seemingly a lot to it, but there are presets. You're basically working through a series of presets um, and you can you can flip yeah. through those presets for a lot of body parts. It's just, there's been a lot of character creators where you can literally resize everything. Like when you think about it, Elder Scrolls is significantly yeah. Yeah. more of a character creator and more free than Cyberpunk. And that's fine. But it I, also doesn't fucking matter. It's a first exactly. person game. Um, and that's why I said, like, I actually think it's fine. And I actually like their character creator. It's just like people were trying to say that's going to be like the craziest thing you've ever seen. I was like, no, it's a really competent, really cool character creator. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's all there is to it. Anyway, it's fine. Um, yeah, just before we move on from that, then, because I, I, I've only, like, as I said, I've only played three hours, so I can't speak loads to it. Um, the story's pretty cool so far. And the gunplay, I found to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, it, I haven't used all of the weapon types yet. I still haven't found the sniper rifle or anything, but the barometer is always how good does the shotgun feel? And even the <laughs> early game shotguns feel weighty. Uh, it, it's all nice. There is a little bit of aim assist, but you can turn it all off if you want to, which I have. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll have more to say it in, in weeks and months to come. But so far, the initial impressions are remarkably positive. Yeah, I'm really liking um, the swords and, then it, and shit. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I haven't really used them outside of the um, outside of the tutorial, VR sort of tutorially bit that they do yeah. between the, the. You might not have got to this actually be, between where the life path stuff. No, um, I've, I've gotten there. I, I've I've gotten to the end of the life path. Like I literally am on Act One has just started. Right. So so yeah. right before for the people listening, mm-hmm. in terms of life paths, it's like a, a twenty to thirty minute. Mm-hmm different chunk but they all lead to the same place very early on yeah. and, and where they converge before you start playing the story proper uh, there's a, a vr tutorial bit that you can opt in or opt out of and that that's the only time i've used the swords but i have just picked up a melee weapon um from a little happening that i nice. sort of dealt with with fire and bullets so I, i'll see i'll probably have more to say on that bit next week so what um, else are you doing it's just <laughs> so just quick i mean that that to be fair has been the main thing it's, it's been kind of a quiet week for me so um blasphemous i'm still where i was last week still think it's great uh ditto rabbits go home um bravely default and this is what i was saying about playing longer games i've actually almost finished as much as i'm going to finish it mm. so i'm i'm 
I ended up putting some Netflix on in the background while I blasted through some of the some of the repeated content. And I'm not sure if I said it last week, but it's a testament to how good mechanically that game is that it's still a nine out of ten for me. Hmm. Because the the content reuse and I can see why they've done it, and to an extent it works, but but beyond that it just really fucking doesn't. It's really <laughs> insulting in terms of how the game respects your time or doesn't. And, and I also, ex- I also accept that you can cheese to the, the, to the sort of the A route ending very quickly, but that's only if you've Googled it. The, the first inkling that the game gives you from a story perspective that that's even an option is like between a third and halfway through the reuse of the content. Hmm. Uh, and e- even then it's just sort of a, a little sort of nudge in the arm and a suggestion. I suspect the, the indications aren't going to become really clear until the point that I'm already have going to got the last job class and cheesed it, which is where I'm at now. I'm, I'm I've just unlocked the the last side quest I intend to do. I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to I'm going to do the A route. And then in terms of that TBC tab that I was talking about, that game's going to go there until probably sort of Q2 2021. And then uh, if I've got another series to watch on Netflix, I'll pull it back out and, and finish the game off. Yeah. I think that's. That's the plan. That's if I can even be bothered, but we'll we'll see. It's it is a good game. It's just way too long and, and way too JRPGs, the the Netflix companion. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 pretty much actually. It's I feel yeah. Like I want to say something about it. We having sorry, go on, Paula. Uh, the bravely before, uh, bravely before he's like a brave big offender of the. Uh, on that category, like uh, because of that part of the game where you are at, it is very easy to just say, "Fuck it, I'm doing something else while I'm grinding or going through this section of the game." Mm. Well, yeah. other games I feel manage it a little bit better, either with scattering like uh, story bits and stuff, or like not having to like mindlessly do stuff at that point yeah. of the game but it, it's not even the grind because to an extent that that's a genre expectation it's more oh, that yeah. it's more that after the halfway point being as, as non-spoilery as possible you're essentially dumped in the exact same place told to do a b c and d over again and some of the enemies in the vicinity we might have switched the palettes off but otherwise just fucking do it again and and it, it's in such stark contrast to what they do in terms of encounter rates, because you can turn random encounters completely off, or you can bump them up to two X. It gives mm-hmm. you a lot of flexibility in terms of how much fighting you have to do around the other stuff. And obviously, if you skip it forever, eventually there's going to come a point where you have to grind again. But if you've missed a chest on the floor above and you just want to run back and get it, you can totally do that. It, give, it gives the player the option there. And it's so stupid then to get to a point in the story where it does the complete opposite. Um, Mm -hmm. So two other ones quickly. I mentioned Fez last week. I can see myself retiring this one. That game is the king of retirements. Everyone's like, Fez is so great. No one beats that game. Do you know what? It's a nice idea, but the idea also hamstrings it from a a level design point of view, I feel. Because it, it, everything has to be rotatable 360. So mm-hmm. all they can really give you is different variations on a, on a vertical tower. Yeah. 
and it the map is surprisingly readable for how oddly put together that world is but it is still a bit of a a brain melter and the the, the platforming's fine it <laughs> it's okay yeah. but they, i don't know that the game necessarily does enough for me to want to see it through beyond the novelty of oh shit it does rotate <laughs> i it, it's one of those where I think if I'd played it when it had come out, even no, on I PC, it when it came Vita, out, it didn't even matter. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll I'll leave that where it is then. <laughs> Look, so <laughs> if someone beat it and they love this game, I'd actually love for them to defend it because I'd like to know why you love it. Because uh, I was just like, like you said, it's cool, I guess. Anyway, sorry, what was the last one you played? So the last one um, is a game called Recky, which is a mobile port puzzle game. It's like Monument Valley, but without the characters, mm. sort of. It's, it's not exactly that, but that gives you enough of an idea. And if I'd known that at the outset, I might have bought it on mobile instead of on PC. Um, it, it controls fine. It, it's not an issue, but it probably would have been a little bit more intuitive on mobile. And because it, it's designed around that, it's all bite-sized levels, it's all single screen, probably would have been a bit nicer in that format. But it is a really good puzzle game. It's been nice just to to bring it up, play a couple of levels and drop it down. And I, I suspect that's what I'm going to be doing probably for the next few weeks until I've sort of exhausted all the levels. Um, but if if you liked Monument Valley or if you if you like puzzle games with a neat aesthetic, you should absolutely check it out. It's super cheap. It's like three pounds on mobile and and something similar on PC. I think I paid two fifty in the sale. It's it's one of the games I got nice. in the autumn sales. But it, it's very, very nice. So that is all the stuff with that that I'm playing. Um, Paula, what about you? you we, we... Oh, well, yeah, Paula's only got the one here, so I'm at, we'll let her go. <laughs> <laughs> you get the pity pick, Paula. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm just going to say that I'm going to check out that game, uh, Reggie, because like I actually need something like it. Mm. Uh, like I'm at that point where I just finish... I don't know. Is this like the fourth visual novel, like in a row, that has like a, um, a plot that is heavy on feels? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm actually just like looking for a, either a third game or something that is like, um, I don't want to say comforting, but a little bit lighter on the feels yeah. environment. Well, if, if you need a palate cleanser before you get around to 13 Sentinels, I can't recommend Reki highly enough. Okay, okay, I'm going to take that because I got every fan from Steam because um, I got Game Pass and some of the games I got on sale are in Game Pass. Uh, so the game I'm actually like actively playing because like I just finished uh, two of the games that I've been playing for a while now. Uh, the one that's left is Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity that now I'm going to get serious on bidding for the for next week. Nice. Um, and that's about it. I probably check uh, 13 Sentinels, Night in the Woods, and ready for the what's remaining of the year. Oh, sweet. Nice. I might go back to Night in the Woods. I retired it a while back, but now that it's Game of the Month, I might, I might check it out again. Um, cool. Well, I'll talk about, I have some random goddamn games that I'm playing this week. Uh, I started playing Rise Son of Rome, which is an Xbox One launch game. And holy shit, 
that's a cool game. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's really, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's really, really beautiful. Um, like on the series X, it like holds its own next to like launch games on the series X, you know, like I'm like playing it and I'm just like, this game looks really good. The only thing that the only the only thing that actually dates it is that all the barbarians you kill are like the same character models. Like you know, there's like five or six that are like re <laughs> that are like recycled. So like that's Copy really pasted. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's where you're like, oh, that's where they had limitations. They there was only so many characters that they could create. Um, but it's such a like I, I sort of joked with with them on the on Discord this week, just saying how this is like a, a Roman bro game, which is like for me, it's there are these types of movies and games that um that i i categorize as kind of like bro movies where they're like it's all about like how manly the romans and the greeks and like the vikings were you know and like they're like they're men and they fought in wars and they were strong and like that's very much what this game is it's like you're a centurion go kill barbarians ha <laughs> and like it's so it's so so fucking stupid it's just the stupidest thing in the world but it's really fun like it's just it's silly and it it knows it's silly but it films itself like a war movie i mean there's literally a siege of a castle that when you beat it you get like a you get like a an achievement that's like saving private marius or something because it was pretty much like a d-day thing yeah right it's that kind of game it's that kind of game man you see what i'm saying um that achievement name is cancer right Uh, but that's what it's like like i would call it like this is like a capital d dad game you know like they're expecting he's like yeah i want to play my roman game um like it's just but it's also like really well segmented because there's like eight acts i think um or the seven well anyway seven or eight acts and they're pretty short like like you can beat them in like one sitting each right like there's like an hour to two hours maybe it's not a long game uh, which is why i could probably imagine when this released people were probably pissed because it's not very long um and they were like what the hell yeah. man i want more game um but like the hack and slash i feel like that actually was the criticism i think it was and the reality is that this is actually a game that i think is better to play now because like on game pass it's perfect right it's not this super yeah. crazy long game you can just play it and just have some fun for a little while um and, and time matters left because you bought it in which yeah is one of the perks of those Right. So I'm realizing that like Game Pass is kind of, I think, could really save a lot of those games that are like not so great to play um, uh, if you bought them at full price because they're too cheap. Like like games like The Order um 1699 or something like that you know like that game 1886 1886 i know that game i played that game for 10 bucks and i thought it was dope um but like if you paid full price for that i would be pissed um you know like it's really cool but it's short as hell um so anyway i i honestly i recommend it like if you want like a very simple but satisfying hack and slash game in the in line with like Spartan Total Warrior, like that kind of GameCube sort of game, that era where you just like hack and oh, that game. Up. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, love that game. Uh, to be clear, Spartan Total Warrior is better than Rise, but um, because okay. it's it's mechanically far more adept and interesting. But Rise is fun, it's just fun, you know. Um, so anyway, that's Rise. Uh, also, what a stupid name, anyway, it's fine. Um, let's just. <laughs> rise son of rome like it's r y s e it's not even his name his name's marriott anyways whatever um so like 
It's, I think it's a pun, but not really. Uh, so on what? I exactly. I don't know. Son of he's rising up. I don't friggin' know. Uh, anyway, um, maybe it'll like make sense halfway, like uh, at the end of the game, they'll like tie it in in some like this is the name of the game kind of moment. Uh, but I'm also I playing, am the rise son of Rome. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm also playing Picross Four because like. I don't know. Like you said with Recky, man, I just need something. Like I, I turn on Arrested Development and I just like sit there with my partner and I just, she plays some Animal Crossing and I play some friggin' Picross 4 and we just turn our brains off <laughs> for a bit and it's just excellent. Um, I'm, I've almost beaten all the main Picross puzzles in that one. I'm just getting really fast at Picross now. So it's like at this point I could just sit down and like pump out a puzzle in a couple minutes and I'm like, got it. Um, then I got my Retroid Pocket 2. Um, so finally, yeah, I ordered this in September, September 13th, actually. And I got it December, like, I don't even know, third or something like that. It took a while, but I got it. It is extremely nice, very comfortable. Um, buttons feel great. Does not feel like, a like a knockoff console. It, it genuinely feels like a slight step below a Nintendo handheld, you know, like, cause Nintendo handhelds are so, they're just so well made um, that they're the gold standard. But I would really say that this is just like, like maybe silver, you know, like you're like, yeah, it doesn't feel quite as good, but you're like, but it's good. You know, like it's perfectly mm-hmm. acceptable. Um, and I started playing Kadelka on it because it's going to become my PS1 sort of game thingy. And Kadelka is fucking batshit. I mean, this game is <laughs> the weirdest game I think I've ever played. Oh, hold on. I'm about to talk about accents in Kadelka, but I have to say one more thing about Rise, Son of Rome that pisses me off. Um, all old freaking historical epics set in Rome, everyone speaks with a British goddamn accent and they're invading Britain in the goddamn game. They're literally <laughs> fighting Boudicca in the Celts and the Romans have British accents and like, yeah. so do the barb- And I'm like, what is, what? The... First off, they'd be talking Italian or Latin. So, like, anyway, I'm like, I don't really care. Imagine that with a, with a British accent. But see, this is what would be so funny. I truly think, the like, if you put it with, like, a period-ish accurate accent, it would sound hilarious. Um, and I think it would just defeat their whole, like, we are man bros <laughs> kind of thing. So, anyway, that that's an aside, yeah, right? But, uh... But the reason I bring that up is because in Kadelka, it's set in Wales in the 1800s. <laughs> and everyone is American. And like I was oh, telling no. I was telling Rick, I was like, I understand every word of this game, so I know it is not accurate. Like I've I've been to Wales before and they're the greatest people, but holy shit. I had a real hard time and I'm pretty good with accents. Like it's just tough. Um but anyway, it, it depends. Like some mm-hmm. some accents are, are fucking awful, but most Welsh people are pretty easy to understand. Oh no, where, absolutely. Where but this is in a monastery in the middle of nowhere in Wales. So in the oh. 1800s. So here's what I'm saying. I'm like, if this, if there were to be an accent here for the locals, methinks it be thick, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's, the, that's the area, right? Um, you know, modern day Welshman 
their accent's fine, no problem. But like, you know, when you go, it's like even here in Canada, when you go out into the boonies and you go out into like, you know, rural, rural Canada, we have accents that you wouldn't even, you'd be like, what is this man saying? I mean, my accent growing up, you'd have been like, what the hell is Alex saying? Um, it's a bunch of buys and hey, how you freaking doing? It's all that stuff. So like, <laughs> um, anyway, it doesn't matter because it's whatever, but you play as a witch named Kadelka. Um, she's just a witch with a gun, by the way. She has a handgun, but she's, she's a witch. Yeah. In the 1800s. Yeah, it's a revolver, to be fair. It's like a Western one, so it's, it's fine. Um, but okay. it, it okay. is weird, because like those weren't really all over the place. But anyway, so, and then you rescue this dude who, maybe he's American, but he might not be. He's just a blonde-headed dude. Um, and then eventually you meet a priest. So like this is who I'm chilling out with right now. I'm in a mysterious monastery with monsters. I'm not actually sure what I'm doing. She's there for a reason. Something's going on. Have fun. And it's it's it shouldn't work at all. It shouldn't work even in the slightest, but it's so much fun. It's so good. Like the turn-based combat's fantastic because it's on a grid system. So you like move your characters around mm-hmm. and it has an excellent um uh like magic system in it as well. Um, so, you know, you've got magic, physical attacks, um, buffs and all this stuff that you can use. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's really good. Um, and it really holds up. Like, it feels like a game that you're like, oh, like, yeah, if you release this today, this would be fine. Um, like there's, there's nothing that's even really like mechanically dense in it. Like it even has a map system where it checks off when you've found everything important in it. So it'll put a little check mark being like, yep, you got everything you need. Uh, and if there's something you still haven't finished yet, or you just can't get to it yet, there'll be like a little X and it's like, no, not yet. You're not there. Um, so yeah, I, I just like, this is a game to play. You know, all my complaints I had about Silent Hill, I was like, this is not one. Uh, this is, this is a game where I'm like the mechanics stand the test of time for sure anyway that's my rant about the games i've nice. been playing this week i have lots of thoughts <laughs> and funnily enough because it's a nice segue that last one uh you're emulating aren't you? yeah what a great segue into the major <laughs> topic of the week <laughs> and there we uh, go in our shakespearean style to emulate or not to emulate <laughs> that is the question and the simple answer is yes as long as as long as there's no legal way for you to support the publisher and or developer that's that's my view just to kick it straight off like if if you're gonna do it like take for example and this is one that that i felt in sort of recent history um the game boy advance castlevania games Mm -hmm. circle of the moon harmony of distance aria of sorrow they aren't sold legally anywhere Mm -hmm. the developers disbanded the publisher's more interested in producing pachinko machines and, and shitty Metal Gear content. So your options are essentially to pay through the nose on eBay for a cartridge mm-hmm. or emulate it. Mm-hmm. The, the option isn't not to play those games because they're stone-cold classics. You have mm-hmm. to play them. And, and the way that you're going to play them is you're going to be smart. You're not going to blow your money. You're going to emulate them because a toaster can emulate a GBA. And, and that to speak to our history of emulation, to, to bring us back onto the show notes and the, the rough <laughs> structure that we panned out. Uh, that is how I started. So um, getting into emulation and console modding and custom firmware and all of that stuff happened for me when I first got my PSP, uh, which I picked up. It was either 2010 or 2011. And, and in the UK, we have a retailer called Game. Uh, it's, it's the equivalent of GameStop for you in, in America. 
Mm. Um, it's, it's the big chain video game shop. They went into administration, were liquidating all of their stock. And, and I'd sort of been thinking about getting a PSP for a while. Uh, at the time, they were selling new for sort of 110, 120 pounds um, because it, it was still the console. Vita hadn't come out at this point. And I ended up, when they were liquidating all their stock, managing to pick up an immaculate condition Red 3000 model for like 40 pounds. And then there were, there were a load of games that were like a pound each in the boxes. It was silly money. I think I spent like sixty pounds and, and came away with a couple of special editions. The the, the console itself and like twelve games. It was stupid. Anyway, um, one of the things that the PSP is really good at doing is emulating sort of sixteen bit and back stuff. Mm. So SNES is a little bit hit and miss, um, but Game Boy Advance and, and Sega stuff. It, it chews through really, really easily. So um, I played through all the Castlevania games that way. Uh, I played Minish Cap that way. Mm. Uh, played a few other things like that. And then that sort of gave me the bug. And I ended up installing a load um, on my laptop. And it's sort of gone from strength to strength there. And eventually, uh, one of my upcoming projects is to to get everything set up on my Vita to play things emulated that way too. Mm. Um, so that that's my history. What about What about you two? What's your relationship with emulation? Why don't you go, Paul? Um, um, in terms of emulation, I pretty much started emulating uh, video games because I was interested in them, but I didn't have any other way to play them. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, my, I remember my brother playing, for example, Pokemon uh, on his Game Boy. Uh, but at that time, when he was at home, I... I couldn't touch the Game Boy because I was too small. And uh, later down the line, when my mm, when my parents took away the Nintendo 64, I was like, well, I can't play games there. At some point, I don't remember when, uh, after a little uh, yatus from playing games, um, I I don't remember why, but I was like, Oh, maybe I, I I should play something. And I remember uh, downloading a DBA emulator. At that point, I think the DS was like uh, halfway through its life. Um, so between me being too small to actually earn money, and my parents not want me not wanting to buy video games, I was like, well, I'm gonna emulate, I don't know, Pokemon. Hmm. I think Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. And later on the line, I think I tried emulating 64 games, but my computer at the time was shit. So uh, everything ran like at one FPS, maybe two, if I'm being generous. So I pretty much uh, uh, stuck like uh, with a po- with a couple of Pokemon games like for the DBA, and then uh, I managed to get my hands on a 3DS and uh, and a copy of Ocarina of Time. That, by the way, I tried emulating, but no luck. <laughs> yes. Uh, nowadays. I either emulate a game if it doesn't have like a decent price on it, mm. or if it's not 
available to buy or to to play legally or in on any other way or the other thing i had to do because my actually got a, a second-hand psp uh it was already jailbroken and it was on the verge of death so what i had to do because uh right before the pandemic started so i haven't really been able to procure a second beta sorry as a second psb psp oh my god there. <laughs> um what i had to do if i want to play a game i actually have the a couple of physical games uh which i actually uh, dropped the files on my computer but i've only limited myself to the games i own and that i can manually put on my vita connect to the to the to the pc and drop that file for example and well the other thing i was playing like fireman the bread on the plate of light because there wasn't a the first one the famigo one there wasn't like uh there wasn't uh, an official it? release i remember you yeah, saying a, a few weeks ago that you were fuming because you got most of the way through and then nintendo decided that they were going to release it yeah i'm still uh thinking what what my morals are on the situation like i still have like a bunch of gold points so maybe i'll catch up the catch out the couple of bags so I don't feel like I'm yeah they're also doing predatory um consumer practices so fuck them (laughs) I got no morals to be honest with Cubs emulation like (laughs) do not care I'm like I don't even I don't even want to pretend like I have morals about this like I'm just like uh, it's also because I'm an artist too, right? And like, as far as I'm concerned, all, I don't care. I want all my work to be free. Like I see no reason at all for my work to be monetized afterwards. I want to be paid to create my work, but I don't need to be well, paid the, for it after. You know, The patronage model has come back in fashion, in fairness. Yeah. There is, and, there is absolutely something to be said for it. Right? And it, it makes sense to me. It's like you're being paid for the labor of your work which to me seems, you know, like that's reasonable. But then to be paid dividends afterwards, it's like, that's nice, I guess. But like, ultimately in the end, I I don't know. I'm of the belief that most artists, and I would actually say like almost all artists for the most part, they love the work. It's the creation and it's the, the, the sharing of it that they love. Those who really love to make that money off it are those fucking execs and those friggin' producers and shit, right? Like, they're the ones who, like, they, they play the game of making money off of this stuff. Um, and fuck execs, you know? Like, I'm like, I don't think that's any, like, I don't think that's a, that's a hard take, you know? Um, I'm like, they're the ones who want the money. Like, let's be honest here. Like, video game developers are paid not nearly as well as they should be in, like, terrible situations, yeah. right? And so I'm like, mm-hmm. me emulating a game me not emulating a game and buying it doesn't actually mean that developer gets more money, that the creator gets more money. It means that the execs that who, you know, like are spending it out, they get more money, um, you know, and like they only decide. So it's complicated, right? But like, I don't know. That's where I stick. I'm just this weird little commie who's like, nah, man, I just want to make my art, get paid to make I was my gonna art. Say, <laughs> you said it's complicated, but it's actually very simple. You, you'll emulate anything. Pretty much. But I mean, at the same time, I don't tend to because emulation is like, it's not, it's not always easy. Right. And like, um, for instance, 
I prefer to play like new games. I'll I'll pay for them, no problem. You know, I bought Cyberpunk, right? I'm not gonna try to. My God, you imagine trying to like emulate that shit right now? No way. Um, you probably wouldn't have to. To be fair, with 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 CDPR, that's probably the one game where you could do it really fucking easily because they're <laughs> all about no DRM. So probably, actually, yeah, <laughs> that, that probably. was not the example. Yeah, that was not the example. Uh, but it's, I'm relying on it to be honest. It's uh, yeah. once I've done with the PS4 version, I'm hoping my brother will hook me up with his executables because <laughs> mm. he's bought it that way. But I, I digress. Go on. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. So, so, so my history of it, like I, I, because I, I find that emulation, honestly, there, there's a small sub subset who are going to pirate everything and all the modern shit, and they're going to do all that, and you're not going to stop them. So why try? Um, and then there are those of us who, like, I think Paula and like even like Rick started talking about this too. There's those of us who we emulate because we have this desire to return to something that we either missed or was a game we played when we were younger, right? And so like the first emulation I did, I think was also Pokemon on my like computer um, because I was like, man, I really wanna play Pokemon friggin' Red again. And I was like, damn it, how do I do that? I don't have my Game Boy with me. All right, I guess I'll just pop onto the computer and oh, there's a ton of them. And it, like, you know, suddenly I'm like playing it and then playing on my phone, you know what I mean? And it's like, so like it kind of started out of that drive. Um, and then, yeah. I, sorry, yeah. I, I was going to go on to a different. I was just going to say it's just on top of what you're saying. I think for most people, like the the crossover between emulators and pirates is super super small to start with. Yeah. It, it's more um, emulation is an act of game preservation because in mm -hmm. in all the cases where we've started, it's all been something where maybe with the exception of Pokemon, because Nintendo will sell you that again and again and again and again. And but I buy it from them speaking. again and again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is the thing where I go, emulation doesn't hurt them. I emulate their games and I buy their games. <laughs> but generally speaking, it's games where we, the the prospective player, care more about that game mm -hmm. than the original publisher does because we still want to play it. They, they don't still want to sell it to us. Yeah. Ultimately. Or it's not. Yeah, that, that's like, uh, for some game or for some people like me, emulation was their gateway to go back into gaming after mm -hmm. such a long time of not playing games. Yeah. So, uh, it has their good points. And for example, if uh some games from Nintendo from Nintendo were like more easily accessible, like for example, they they. They, they said like oh um we are launching i don't know um mobile app where you can i don't know play game boy advanced classics there mm. um for example uh, most people have a phone so if if they had easy access to stuff like that uh then maybe uh they wouldn't need to for example uh, emulate DBI games to to play them. For example. Man, that and would know make what, on them that point, so much shout money. out to Sega are actually already doing it. Mm. That's already a thing. A load of their classic games are available on mobile. You can play it free, ad supported, or you you can pay them like a one time fee and and unlock the thing. Get and, and like you market. say, getting getting that every market. Like they, well, China especially games... plays a lot of mobile games. That's like a that's like a huge yeah. huge market. But you're right, mm. it's all sorts of markets. But also like. That's just that's printing money right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean th those IPs aren't doing anything sat on their hard drives. You know what I mean? They, they, yeah. You you may as well make it an option. And also for people who might not otherwise have found them anyway, who are like looking for free shit, recognize the the name and the IP. Mm -hmm. You know that that sales that you wouldn't make otherwise, and it's not a lot of effort 
to put those old games that could run on a fridge magnet on an Android phone. It really isn't that difficult. And there's so many people, like Sega, I think, has done just really great shit because, like, they, you know, like, Sonic Mania and all that stuff was, like, basically made by, like, dudes who were, like, emulating and, like... um, uh, creating like ROMs of, yeah. of Sonic and so like they get it like they're like oh these people know what they're doing let's just pay them and they're going to make stuff that those people want and I'm like yeah that's smart like just use your fans if they want to be like you know what I mean like they're like yeah. oh you'll pay me to do it sweet I was doing it for free you know what I mean <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely it seems smart but yeah i mean oh i guess to sort of wrap up my like brief history of it, i actually think emulation has sort of exploded for me this past year because i i got one of the snes classics and i i modded it so that i could put a bunch of different games on it like i put a bunch of game boy games uh snes games for some reason the nes games don't work very well on it but i put a bunch of other snes games on there and uh was playing that on my tv and i was loving it and then of course the thing that sort of brought me to how long to beat in a lot of ways, like I was on how long to beat for a few years, but what got me kind of in the forums was modding my game boy advance SP. Um, and so like, you know, emulating on that is pretty simple. I have a little, you know, flash cart that you just pop yeah. in there and yeah. you just play. And, but honestly, it's so satisfying. And it's also satisfying because your games are all on that freaking cart. I don't have to and like, you know, like rattle through all the plastic to get the freaking game I want. Um, Although there is something to be said for that. That's super nostalgic. Oh, it is super nostalgic. It's super fun. But it's like when you want it to be sort of Less that practical thing. Anything. Yeah. And you just want it like in your pocket or you want to just like pop it on the bus with you or something. And you're just like, all right. Um, yeah. And then, of course, I, I modded my, uh, I got a Wii and I modded it. Um, so that I could play a bunch of Wii games and stuff. And eventually, you know, before the pandemic hit, I was hoping to head back to my place and bring all my GameCube controllers and stuff. And then it was like going to be couch co-op uh, heaven, but that That's might have to wait you. a year or so. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Emulation for me is like, it's just, I, I think if you have a real passion for games and for understanding where games came from and like really getting to experience older games which i think a lot of people who are on the forums are really into that you know like they're into exploring games all over the place like i like to keep up with some games but at the same time i love looking back right and Mm. it's frustrating sometimes like i tried to get silent hill uh too legally and i was like i can't get it i can't get it (laughs) you know they want you to buy the shitty hd remaster that's what they want right and i was like i just want to play the ps2 version you know like um so yeah right like you just bang your head up against walls trying to get these games the appropriate way um so it's just emulate you know <laughs> yeah but bottom line i think we're all very pro emulation mm, mm. like massively mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. And, and just on the on the gba point before we move on um i am a completely about that and b mm-hmm. took it to the extreme i think i showed you guys my game boy micro right yeah it's like so I've got that and one of the easy flash. I don't know if you've got an EverDrive one that sticks out a little bit. No, I've got like one that's actually just, it's just a Game Boy Advance cartridge. It's the Yeah, yeah, me, yeah. me too. So it sits completely flush. It's like a, yeah. it's like a matchbox size thing mm. with all the games. It's just, it's just stupid. And you, no one is selling you that kind of a solution. Yeah. They're just not. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, emulate is our answer the, the the question is or the answer to the question is to emulate yeah paula did you have go. anything else because i know you were talking about patching and stuff i don't know if you wanted to touch on that oh yeah 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 uh so um one of the other reasons because like um there's a point over there that says like the yelp 
Virgin Consoles and Pachindia Homebrew. And that's, uh, that goes like hand in hand for me mm -hmm. because I'm a big fan of uh, importing Japanese games. And for example, if you want to play a Japanese game on the 3DS, you either have to have a Japanese 3DS because it is region locked. Or you can jailbreak it to make it region free and you can still run the game. And uh, one of the things I love about uh, homebrew on consoles is that you can, uh, there's Plenty of fans that will uh, make an English patch for a game that is that has only received a release in Japan. Mm. So uh, that's actually the way I'm gonna play Daigakuten uh, Saiban or the Great Ace Attorney. There's an English patch for the game with the catch that you have to have a legal copy of the game yeah. uh, to apply the patch. I said, I bet, I bet that won't come cheap for the buying and the no, importing. It, and the uh, it, it depends where you buy it because there's it's not a plenty rare of sites. Like, it's not mm -hmm. a rare game. And sometimes Nintendo, for the uh, Ace Attorney series, uh, most of the releases have gotten like this. Um, what's the Japanese equivalent of the Nintendo Selects? But I don't know, I don't remember the name of the Japanese version for that. Yeah. But you can actually find most of them, like, very cheap. Oh, okay. And I actually found of them uh, pretty cheap. Like, I don't remember paying more than 20 bucks a piece for new games. Mm. Fair. Oh, that's uh, a Because I, I think just on that, before, before you crack on with that, I think they... Do you guys remember that Capcom had that big leak? Where they yeah. got like ransomware and they didn't pay the money. Oh, I think yeah. part of that they're talking about potentially Great Ace Attorney, the other sort of unreleased spin-offy stuff, um, coming as part of a HD remaster collection. I'd buy that faster than anything in the world. <laughs> I bet you would, and I bet lots of people would. Hot take: Ace Attorney is like okay. That is a hot take. It's a wrong take, but it's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I didn't. I didn't want to derail you too much, but in, in terms of. Um, patching and getting through. Vita's quite good for that as well. There's quite a few games that um, got a release on Vita and PS4 in Japan, but only the PS4 version came west because people slept on the Vita like the fools that they are. Um, and, and as you say, fans are, are really good at, at fixing that. So like uh, Catherine Full Body, they patched the Vita version of that. Zanki Zero, they've patched the Vita version of that. There's a few others whose names escaped me, but it, it, it's exactly the same thing. And it's another thing where um, emulation or modding or, or, or that kind of aftermarket trickery can let you do things that the publisher isn't bothered enough to sell you the privilege of doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is and, and, probably the bottom line. The PS, PS Vita, there's actually, um, like, you know how there's some PS Vita games that don't run in the PS, uh, on the PS TV? Yes, you can whitelist that, can't you? Yep, you can. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, thanks to the fans that uh, work on on the homebrew. Like I'm all in for emulation, uh, homebrew, even like jailbreaking your consoles to make the experience better. Uh, but the line between homebrew and piracy is so 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 thin. Uh, yeah, 
that's where I draw the line very much. Yeah. Fair enough. Nice. Well, right, that was so an we, interesting we, little chat. <laughs> comprehensively covered that, and I feel like we, we're all on the same page, which is always very nice. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I don't think it's as controversial as one thing. You know, the last thing I'll say on this is I always feel like there's a lot of posturing when it comes to emulation, especially when you listen to like official like uh, sites and stuff like gaming sites. They're always just like, oh, don't you emulate with like a big wink, you know, <laughs> like they're like, I've never emulated. And you're like, ah, shut up. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like everyone's friggin' doing it. Shut up. Like, you know what I mean? It's like one of those those yeah. things. But uh, anyway, why don't we go on to our question? Whoa. Uh, yeah. From forum user, so this was actually in our like I pulled this from our, our how long to be the podcast, podcast yeah, because yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Um, it was a, it was an interesting question that they posed, and I really liked it. It's from, so it's from Elusera Elusera. Sorry if I didn't say the <laughs> forum name right. Uh, and they asked, "What do you think is essential for a game to still hold up well today?" And so this came from our conversation last week. I was talking about Psychonauts two and holding up, uh, and I guess even talking about Kadelka today and saying it's holding up. Um, and I thought it would just be interesting for us to talk a little bit about like, what's our definition of a game that holds up well, who would like to take it off? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. Cause I think you and me both answered it in the forums and I, I don't know that mm-hmm. I have a lot more to say, um, in fairness than what I typed out there. I think at its core mechanics are the main thing you can get over graphics to a large extent, uh, with the exception of some early 3d which is aged like milk on a windowsill <laughs> but but even then 95 percent of it can be ugly but still not experience ruining i think it's mainly a mechanical thing um and, and to a lesser extent game design uh the the problem is that things are always going to move on um and while some games are timeless and some games transcend the era in which they were built and just still hold up and, and probably will do forever more. Um, Chrono Trigger is always the one that jumps to my mind. I think a lot of people would say Super Metroid um, for that. Some people would say Ocarina of Time. I would probably disagree with them. But it, if the mechanics have moved on massively, and I think I, I used FPSs and GoldenEye as an example, mm-hmm. it can be really fucking difficult to go back and, and undo all the wiring and the appreciation for how good it's gotten generally. Um, camera control is another, another big one with that. Uh, so many games sort of between the mid-90s and, and even late as late as sort of the very end of the noughties got camera control wrong. Um, mm. Like Epic Mickey came out in, was it 2010, 2011? Camera stank. And yes, it was a Wii game and, and, and all the other problems that that game had, but the camera was just not good. It It's probably easy if you're say a, a teenager now and, and you started uh with with the tail end of the ps3 and the start of the ps4 and, and those console generations mm. to take for granted just how good the baseline is now um and, and there's no hiding place for that if you go back and play a game that's that's 20 plus years old game design's a bit more of a, a nuanced one and it, it depends from genre to genre and, and, and whatever else but but again there's certain things that games don't do anymore or games have learned not to do or or technical powers allowed us to circumnavigate 
Well, I think now. technical powers is the thing that you're really getting at there too, right? It's like there are games that were attempting to do things back in the day that were really interesting, um, but they often didn't have the actual technical abilities. I mean, look, even Rise when talking about it, right? There's a game that even yeah. it was hits up against technical abilities to create like multiple models, right? Or to create like, you know, tons of diverse enemies and stuff. But let's mm-hmm. dig into that. Is that something that means it mm-hmm. doesn't hold up? You said no half an hour ago. Because that yeah. that fundamentally doesn't change the experience because it's just graphical. Exactly, and, which, and which so sort of speaks to my point. That's an example of something where it's like that's a technological thing that's not a big deal, uh, because it's mostly aesthetic, right? Um, sure, which sure. is where I agree in, with in, you. To, yeah. Uh, the last thing, just before I, I open the floor back up, in terms of game design things, I was also thinking um, in terms of quality of life features, particularly in mm. RPGs, um, where it's not necessarily a technical thing. Uh, maybe it was like way back in the late 80s, early 90s, but mm. certainly in the 3D era, it wasn't a technical thing. It was just a um, naivety, novelty, not something anyone's thought of and tried to implement thing. And because we know how good that is now, it can just be really frustrating coming against that kind of thing if you go back. So that that that's sort of my comprehensive view on the thing, I think. Uh, but yeah, sorry, crack on. Um, in my case, like, um, the kind of games that usually hold up better uh, than others, like, uh, usually, like, games that were created, like, more in an artsy way than, for example, the early 3D realistic kind of attempts, for example, in the gaming life, uh, landscape, when... They try to go to a really realistic look for a game. But uh, now you look back and it's Uncanny Valley. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, and that's probably something we're going to hit for a long time to come because it still isn't quite there. Yeah. And uh, like um, that kind of thing, like for me, immediately makes a game like unnerving to play to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for that reason, I usually find it easier, for example, to go back to the NES and NES era than the Nintendo 64 era. Mm-hmm. Um, because given the limitations, they uh, had to uh, do art style and use the uh, spread work in a certain way mm-hmm. for it to be clear, even though the resolution was lower. Yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining well. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I've done some of you saying, yeah, yeah. So, for example, uh, Ocarina of Time, I don't feel like it has aged very well. Uh, like, uh, even though the remake, it feels kind of empty, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. But my Majora's yeah. Mask has aged way better because uh, even if it reuses assets from Ocarina of Time, it has some pretty interesting ideas. And the world is smaller and more compact, and it has a lot more to. Uh, and other games like uh, RPGs and tactical games usually like. I don't want to say there's much of a reason to go back uh, to to the beginnings, mm. but it can be difficult when they have building. They have been building the system since the beginning. For example, as Pokemon uh, Red, Blue, and Yellow, uh, between the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance, for example, they added the special physical attack split 
uh, abilities and uh, objects uh, from the GBA to the DS. They added, um, oh my God, at some point they added like uh, uh, hidden abilities. I think that was in 15. They added, um, Cannot help like, you here. But things like that, when they have been refining the formula, and um, I think like uh, combat wise, uh, the formula was okay on, on X and Y, and adding stuff over that on on the on the other games felt a little bit too much. Hmm. But going back to the originals can be like. If you already played the newers, going back to the originals and the Game Boy version can be a bit rough. But on the other hand, uh, Fire Emblem, I think, is playing a little bit better in that regard because uh, even though, for example, the Weapon Triangle, I think, was established, like, not in the first one for the Famicom. It was established later. But there's uh, the base mechanics of the Fire Emblem games are very, very solid yeah. and very, very balanced, in my opinion. Which in Pokemon, for example... Um, the first Pokemon is a hot like mess. Broken. <laughs> hmm? I was just saying, yeah, the I first one is a hot broken. mess. It, it barely functions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is sort of the bottom line. You know what you're missing. Like you say, all these things mm-hmm. are built on top of each other. And it's fine going in the forward direction because you're experiencing the new bricks each mm-hmm. time. But, but it... it to stretch the analogy ever so slightly. When you go back, what you're essentially doing is knocking bricks away. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you know what was there before. Yeah. And, and you know how it could be and probably should be. Um, Plus, a, a, oh, sorry, I was just going to say. Again, it depends from game to game, from drummer. Yeah. Go I was going to say too, like it also depends where you entered into the series, right? Like as someone also, who's yes, played Pokemon yeah. from the very beginning, like that was my first one all the way through the end, I can jump in at any time and into any one of them and it's fine. You know what I mean? Like I go to back to the original and yeah, there's things where I'm like, Ugh, but I'm like, whatever. It, it's like a warm hug, right? It's like, I remember playing this, um, which is why mm-hmm. like, I agree with you, Paul. It's like one of those deals where it's like, if I were born into say the second generation, even going back to the first would probably be like, why would I play this? I can just play Kanto in the second one. You know what I mean? Like I could see why like, it's just whatever you were born into tends to kind of um can nostalgia papers over the cracks it does yeah right and like i've been noticing personally like i I agree with pretty much with everything you've all said like for me there has to be something kind of unique about the game that kind of hooks me and gets me into it and art is one of those things that I, i think really often gets me in um but also like you're saying mechanics that maybe haven't necessarily been so revolutionized um, or they're just so inherently like enjoyable. And, and I think Fire Emblem was a good example there. And I think in general, turn-based games often hold up a little bit better just because of, of, the, of their sort of semi-passive nature, you know? Like the fact that you're not relying on like really quick reflexes often, which in an older game that might not be able to actually handle that, like you're saying with like Goldeneye and stuff where it's like maybe, or even Doom, that's a good example. Like playing Doom, it's like, oh, I have to run through this place, but the level design at the time was like amazing. And now you're like- As you know, I think, yeah, (laughs) fuck. Right? You've given me a little bit of PTSD. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And then again, it's like- 
right? Yeah. Uh, RTSs, for example, mm -hmm. uh, Warcraft, the first one, mm -hmm. I actually tried to go back and play it. And Graphic Five is like nothing to write home about, but it's like, mm -hmm. okay, bearable. It has it, it, it has its charm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, which one was this But mechanic-wise, like... Warcraft. The, War oh, sorry. Warcraft. Okay. Yeah, no, but mechanic-wise... Uh, okay, you can build buildings, you can create troops. Where it starts to get a little bit annoying is that you have to select one unit at a time all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, in Warcraft 2, you, you, you can actually like select multiple uh, units, and that makes it a lot more playable nowadays. Mm. And there's like, it, it's such a small thing, but it adds, adds up over time. Yeah, you know yeah. that. I think you're right, though, Alex. I think the the real time means you feel the technical limitations specifically more. Right, and that's mm -hmm. actually such a good point. Like, I, I I never thought I'd compare these two, but Silent Hill Two and Kadelka, I think, are really interesting games to compare because Silent Hill Two um, has you in a persistent, like, you know, you're in a real like it's it's real time playing, right? Like you're playing through it, and like your action is you actually fighting. So what it actually yeah. boils down to is the fact that those systems weren't strong enough to let you just run all over the place and do like hitting and stuff and like dodge, like really, you know, like satisfyingly. So what ends up happening is you basically walk up to someone and you go smack, 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 <laughs> smack, smack until they die. Or you take out a gun and go bang, 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 bang. And you basically just point in the general direction and it'll auto aim for you because you can't aim in that it's third person. And it just goes bang, 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 bang until they're dead. Whereas in Kadelka, it's like, okay, you have a grid. You're going to walk around this interesting rendered world that has fixed cameras but don't worry you're never going to have to like defend yourself in that place because we're going to put you into turn-based combat when you get in there now you get to strategize and you get to move your characters around and you get to kind of play a game of chess and so it's like it holds up because that mechanic ultimately would be the same now anyway right if you made that game yeah. today it would still be that so it's like you know what i mean like it's it's kind of the thing where i go do the, does it have an equivalent today and would the equivalent today um, be significantly different? And like that's when I feel like it no longer holds up. It's why like I wouldn't go play the original Resident Evil 2 because Resident Evil 2 Remake has done what needs to be done to make that game playable, right? It has brought in today uh, like all the advances and created a game that's like, even, more playable. Even before that, Resident Evil 7. Or I know they're slightly different genres, mm. but all the changes that happen in the, what, 20 years between those two roughly mm -hmm. like you say mm -hmm. it's diverged enough that then it's a struggle to to work backwards yeah. um oh. so again weirdly we sort of have very similar yeah i mean ultimately it's subjective take on it. yeah <laughs> the other example yeah. i was thinking and this is actually pretty funny mm. uh my opinion that i feel like persona 3 or double for example holds up way better than i think it's Persona 3 first. Mm. And even if Persona 3 first looks a lot prettier, quote unquote prettier, <laughs> um, Persona 3 Portable has the advantage that you can command your units like ah. in the, like like in the in Persona 3 and 4, no, 4 and 5 that you can like say, okay, you do this, you use both here. In Persona 3 first, you can't do that. Yeah, you, so you only command your your character. So often you just end up not having Mitsuru in the party because she 
keeps on using Marine Carrion instead of Pufu. <laughs> I, I don't know that pain. I swerved Fez for exactly that reason. I watched yeah. the answer on YouTube. Uh, um, but yeah, that, that, that's another one where it's just the mechanics. Plus, on top of that, AI in, in 2005 or 2006 just it wasn't, wasn't what it is if you were writing that AI in 2020. You actually might be able to get away with that, like only controlling the MC system nowadays but you definitely couldn't back then yeah. at all as, as evidenced by marion karen i'd love um on, sorry so sorry i was just gonna say thank you for this question because it's i think it, it proved an interesting topic i would love for listeners if they want to tell us like a game they think really holds up and when they don't think holds up because i would love to play some old games that people think are like this is good to play now <laughs> basically i want to <laughs> yeah, recommendation yes, one so you can curl up with it yeah right i'm like i got i need ps1 games tell me what's up <laughs> Fidelka's uh, not going to last forever. Yeah, right. Should we move on to uh, our favorite topic? How long to be? Yeah, have we got time for a game before we go, do you the think? Game. Oh, yeah, we do. We're at 129. We're going to be one. Let's do one, it then. Let's do it then. Uh, oh, and you, you clever sausage, going. Alex. You've put the search thing in the show notes. I have. I've got it right Ooh. here, actually, if you don't mind me going right on. Even better. Uh, Even oh, better. interesting. I got plants versus zombies. Oh, God. That's a hard oh, one. <laughs> oh no! The PopCap game that broke the world when it came out. Uh, this thing was popular as hell, and I have literally no idea. <laughs> I actually played this one, but I can't remember uh, how much was uh, main plus. I, I mean, mm-hmm. um, main game. I know. I played I this a lot. It. I, I finished it and I've beaten it many times, I think, but well, not many times I've played it a ton, but the thing is, I don't remember how long it is. Like this is a weird game. Um, You're hustling again, Alex. I know it. You're going to get all three times spot on again, just like you did with Resi. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> cause I, I right, right. What I'm trying to remember is that, is this the one where like, cause I know it has a main campaign but I'm wondering, does it have a shit ton of extra features that take a long time to beat? And I can't remember if not, because I know that later on, they definitely feature this game. This series has a lot of feature creep. Uh, feature creep, yeah. Where it's just like they keep adding things. I don't know. Does anyone have a guess? Yeah. I do. Think... Um, go on, sorry, Paula. Because the, the base game has like the campaign, but also I remember there was this garden thing mm-hmm. where you can plant. Yep. flowers and and luck stuff but i don't remember much about it and i remember there was like one or two more things to sink hours into hmm. i'm trying to remember how many hours i, I sunk th- into the game i am gonna gamble on roughly what i think it is and this this is mostly pure guesswork hmm. so i'm gonna say main five hours mm-hmm. main plus seven hours and 100% 15 hours and the only reason I've even guessed main plus and 100 is because I'm that unconfident about the main time that I won that buffer <laughs> me too honestly. So- <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go yeah I, I need that five hour buffer big time I'm gonna go eight for main um, interesting I'm gonna do I think I'm gonna do 12 for main plus and I think I'm gonna go 18 for complete uh, and what I'm gonna do having heard what you said and convincing myself <laughs> that it can't be a two-hour campaign. Well, I'm just going to bump my main time and my main plus time up by two hours each because there's no way it's a two-hour playthrough. So yeah, I, 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 I don't need the buffer that side. I'm confident it's not a two-hour playthrough. What about you, Paula? 
for main, I'm going to say six hours. For main plus, I'm going to say 11 hours. Mm. And that's where I'm going to draw the line because I think main, the 100 complete was crazy. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I'll just read those back out before we, uh, before we do the reveal. Uh, I've said main seven hours, main plus nine hours, 115 hours. Alex, you said main eight hours, main plus 12 hours, and 118 hours. And Paulie, you said main six hours and main plus 11 hours. Mm. Are we happy at that? No, right, but let's three. do it. All right. Let's so, <laughs> oh, fuck. I think we all lost. Okay. Um, Go on. Main story was, now I'm proud of this. Main story was eight hours. Beautiful. Main plus extras is 20 hours. Fuck. Yeah, we've all lost. (laughs) And completionist was 46 and a half hours. Who played Plants vs. Zombies for that long? I think I did, honestly. (laughs) uh, I won't finish that sentence. I was going to say something very disparaging. (laughs) But I was really young when I played it. Because I remember playing it on an iPad or something. And I think, well, actually 46, that's way too many hours. I mean, maybe maybe the 20. I I could see that. You can't have been that young. Because it it was like second or third year of iPhone. So it's like 08, 09, 010, around about that. Yeah, I was like high school, which to me still feels young. Um, but yeah, Touché, that's it. Yeah. Well, there we go. No one won How Long to Beat this week. That was an interesting game to get for it, too. Um, kind it of was. One. Um, that's it for us this week. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to email yeah. us at howlongtobeatpodcast at gmail.com with all your questions. <laughs> and stay safe in Night City. I know I will be. All right. See you later. See you.